welcome back to the Snakes Cast. It's Wednesday, I'm David, and these are Jonathan and Jeff. Hello. Hi there. And today we're continuing our discussion about the player contract by talking about points where you actually breach rule number one of play your best, but maintain the contract nevertheless. This is a lot to do with politics. You see this sort of thing happen a lot in multiplayer games with a lot of direct interaction. Games where uh, you can gang up on various other players or where you can sort of ignore someone who doesn't seem to be a threat. Uh, diplomacy, obviously, or risks, something like that. 4X there... games at their height. Sure. Like the big boy games where it's tons of stuff going on and there's elements of politics and strategy and chess and all that happening all at once. Or even simpler negotiation games like Intrigue or I'm the Boss. Mm-hmm. Any game where what you do directly affects the other players and you can do stuff to mess up somebody else or help somebody else. And I think as much as a lot of these games contravene the player contract, these are the kind of games where when we talk about the player contract, these are the most important ones. They really are. Because if people come into a game like this with different expectations, having come into it with a different sense of what the contract entails, you can wind up with serious real-world hurt feelings here. And that's where people have the bad stories of actual genuine fights that happen. Yeah. where genuinely bad times. Where a whole table will just pick on one player because because of something outside the game entirely. That sure. they did that annoyed them. Well, fine, we'll just mess him over. Which might, in certain certain circumstances, be hilarious and, and be exactly what the table wanted. That's that's the contract that they tacitly agreed to. And I think that's kind of the the idea of what we're driving at today is is where do those games come into play where that gets fun, right? And and how to avoid because last last episode on on Monday we were talking a lot about how you can ruin a pe- uh, people's experience by not being on the same page with them, mm-hmm. but some games you know, aggressively pursue the idea that everybody is not on the same page and that everybody will be going after each other inequally. Cosmic Encounter says hi. Yeah, exactly. There's a game where everybody has a unique special ability that's completely different and some of them are wildly unbalanced. You might have an ability that's much more or much less powerful than somebody else's. And the way the game becomes balanced is that the other players realize this and say, oh, look at that. Emily's got the stronger power compared to everybody else. Let's all gang up on Emily. Yeah, to prevent one player winning, players will make temporary alliances just to drag them back down. It's, mm-hmm. it's the crabs in the bucket mentality. The thing with Cosmic Encounter that I think is so interesting is the designers have, I'm pretty sure I remember hearing a podcast where they just came out and said, yeah, we didn't balance it, but because everything is unbalanced in a different way, it balances itself. Yeah. The and Yu-Gi-Oh I, philosophy of game design. When everything's broken, nothing's broken. Right. Well, I, last time I played that, I think I played, I think it's the Pygmy who starts with twice as many planets as everybody else and or something like that, but you have to take two of their planets to count as taking one. Uh, and just for the purposes of those who don't know it, the idea in Cosmic Encounter is everyone's an alien race, and the first person to colonize five of the opponent's planets, doesn't have to be one opponent, as many as you like, but the first person to colonize five wins the game. Uh, but with the Pygmy, you have to colonize two to count as one. And it doesn't sound like much, but my God, it makes you strong if people aren't paying attention. (laughs) The other thing, too, about Cosmic Encounter is that it eliminates some of the political elements. I mean, Richard Garfield once uh, said that political games, games like I was talking about, where it's about who you're going to pick on and who you're going to leave behind, are all basically the same game. Because... The game is, can you persuade the other players to attack each other instead of you? Mm-hmm. And you're creating, but just by making the game more complicated, that's interesting, because by making the game more complicated, all you're doing really is not changing the game, but you're making that discussion more complicated. Exactly. Creating- it's, it's a question of how are we going to gang up on this person? How are we going to ignore that person? How do we even notice if a person is super far ahead? Exactly. A great example is Scythe. In, in the game Scythe, 
teams can be, characters can be really deceptive since there's 14 different ways that are completely different to score a victory point and you need six victory points to win the game, it's very easy to lose track of how close individual players are to achieving their objectives and, and completing their six points and ending the game. And the game ends instantly when that happens as well, which means if you don't pay attention, even for a moment, the game can be over like that. So a lot of a lot of main, uh, of the game's balancing comes down to, to players being able to see far enough ahead to where another player might make that master stroke. And here's the other thing. If you see that coming, the player contract for most people playing Scythe says you need to tell the other players that right now. Because if you don't, Mm -hmm. you're taking away their chance to win. A lot of these European-style games that deal with a lot less direct player interaction, more indirect player action, Mm -hmm. uh, player interaction, where you can interact with the game in ways that will create or deny opportunities for the other players, but not directly help them or directly hinder them, they tend to have a very different sort of player contract, one where it's very much about playing your best game, trying to improve your position as much as possible and not worrying about the other players. If you do something in a Euro game that messes up somebody else's chance or that denies them an opportunity, they, in some at some tabletops, might feel like they're within their rights to say, look, you violated the player contract. You did something that was suboptimal for you just to prevent me from being able to do what I needed to do, mm-hmm. and that's not cool. Um, these games are designed, for the most part, for players who want to be able to simply play their best game and not have to worry about the persuasion element that is so strong in these American-style games with more direct interaction. Mm-hmm. Agricole is a great example to that fact, yeah. actually. Yeah. There's it's, an interesting question that comes up here as well, which is where does real-world politics and the way that you might behave if you were this character function within the game and where does it need to be kept outside the game? Because something That's like That's a really Scythe, good question. Uh, you compare Scythe to Diplomacy. In something like Diplomacy, if you see somebody is about to gain some sort of benefit, you might want to reach out on your next turn and suggest to somebody, hey, do you want to ally against this person because they're going to gain some sort of benefit? Yeah, that, that's the whole game. Right. That Whereas is Diplomacy. With Scythe, do you take that moment of saying, ah, but if I stay silent, if I, if I say something about this, they might see me because the board is there and mm. you're not necessarily playing it by email or you know whatever method Diplomacy can sometimes be played by, um, they might see if I suggest this, that I'm also about to make this gain because the board is on the table. And there's an interesting point there of, of how the game is played and whether it uses a board and secret information and all that sort of thing also determines how the politics function around the table. Exactly. I how- think this is a key of where, at, at the same time, while it's very valid, uh, the idea that uh, Richard Garfield said that most politics games are the same game, where we start differentiating because the more in the more complex a game gets the more complex its feedback structures become and its Mm -hmm. system for gains. In diplomacy, it's simply whoever has the most stuff wins, and stuff is denoted just down to board control. So the only tangible gain is board control. Whereas in Scythe, it may behoove you to not say anything and wait for two players right. to exhaust themselves it's fighting one another. It's obscured behind many more layers of process. Yeah, where you can sweep in and pillage a bunch of resources. Or by having one player amassing his army, another player might in fear amass his army on his border, leaving him open to raids from you two turns from now. And it becomes much harder to, to delineate what that player contract might be. Yeah, one of the criticisms of the, those kinds of more directly interactive games is that they, they become what's called a, po- a popularity contest. That's, that's one of the derisive terms that people who don't like those kinds of games will use to refer to them. I don't want to play something that's just a popularity contest. Uh, I want a proper competition. Whereas for a lot of other people, the ability to persuade 
is an essential part of the game. Mm-hmm. And that silent, tacit contract that you are entering into is going to determine what your expectations are and whether game meets your expectations or not depends on what those expectations are. And and fr- and frankly, the idea of that the, the politics thing is... is- uh, or popularity contests, often those politics are in of themselves a huge strategy. Mm-hmm. And and they become a very... If people are all signed on, this player contracts as everybody wants to play this kind of game, yeah. it can be hilarious. If I know that my friend Josh always wins these kinds of games, and my friends also know that Josh always wins these kinds of games, I'm entirely within my right to say, okay, guys, Josh is definitely going to be better. Let's all start by piling on him. It's like, what? I haven't done anything yet. No, dude, you did something every time we sat down to play this game. And this can go both ways. A great example is... Um, in these larger scale, more in-depth games, uh, my best friend Billy and I are both um, competitive Magic players. Mm-hmm. Often when we play these games with our friends, a lot of these games will delineate down to him and I kind of vying for the top position. Right. And our friends don't usually worry about that, not because they're, they've resigned themselves to losing or anything, but they know if they let Billy and I climb the totem pole and we end up facing each other at near equal footing near the end of the game, both of us vying for first, we'll look at each other in the eyes and go space war and immediately give up on any chance of winning the game only to try and knock the other player down in a r- vicious race to the bottom and they know that amongst our player contract that that Billy and I are aggressively targeting each other and they can just create situations where we'll run into each other go like a dog with a bone at one another and then they can sweep in and take the win which usually happens and everybody has a great time reminds me of spoiling and king making situations where somebody's been knocked out of contention they know they have no hope of winning there are some tabletops where people will say okay you should try to score as many points as possible and do as well as you can under that circumstance there are others where you are considered perfectly within your rights to say okay the person who is responsible Responsible for my demise in this game is now going to lose this game that, that because can... I'm going to dedicate every single thing I have left to making sure either that they don't win or to make sure that their rival does win. I was sitting at a game of Scythe where my loving girlfriend literally <laughs> paid someone actual physical money to ensure that she would create an alliance at the sole purpose of ensuring I did not win the game <laughs> after I knocked her out of the game. Was that something? Was were you okay with that? Was that funny? Or I was, was that was laughing that... for hours. Okay. I did my best to stay alive in what became a five versus one in a seven-player game, where the seventh player was laughing gleefully while the while the entente attempted to take me out of the game. <laughs> so that was entirely it. So I was playing a game of Rising Sun the other night, yeah, in which uh, the aforementioned Josh was doing quite well, and a friend of his who always picks on Josh for no freaking reason every single time uh, was approaching the end of the round and at the end of Rising Sun if you have any cash left over at the end of the round it, it doesn't do anything so uh, he was he no longer had any battles to fight he had some money left and he just took the rest of his money and passed it over to the person who was fighting Josh and Josh actually got mad in that oh. case uh, that because he, he'd been doing this all game and he had nothing to gain from handing his money across that was purely a I'm doing this to mess up Josh's position even though it's not going to help me at all you do need to be careful and in that case that actually did hurt Josh's feelings Mm -hmm. and Chris was genuinely being and and, and he apologized right Mm -hmm. Uh, you know the other player gave the money back and uh, Chris said yeah that was going over the line I'm sorry and, and I um, think that's the point, is within all of this, finding the line exactly. where it switches over from being funny to not funny is very much dependent on your group. And you exactly. need to understand that. You have to listen, you have to pay attention, and you have to accept that the contract that you're in might not necessarily be the one you thought you agreed to. 
Yeah, and we need to clarify very quickly before we, we wrap it up that the player contract may not be written. This is often no, it's, not it's, something it's, it's almost always it's almost always sign. it's almost always unwritten. That's the thing. Yeah, that's why we have so many. Everybody's got so many anecdotes about cases where people were playing games and their feelings were hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, we do need to wrap it up, but I do. I feel like this is the appropriate time to come back to the point I made last uh, episode on Monday, which is the one time where kingmaking is actually completely a part of the player contract, mm-hmm. uh, and that Jonathan would be Dune and the Bene Gesserit. So here is your 30 seconds to wax lyrical on your favorite game because it is just so appropriate to this conversation. One of the players in Dune starts the game by writing down on a piece of paper the name of one of the other players and the number of the turn on which they think that player's going to win. Okay, I think Jeff's going to win on turn seven. I write that down. I set it aside. I don't show it to anybody. If it turns out that Jeff wins on turn seven, either on his own or as part of an alliance, those players do not win. I win. Which means every single time I start offering help, so David, uh, you seem to be having a little bit of trouble in this battle. Would you like a little bit of support? No. Nope. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> but also, it can be it be super worth it as long as you figure out what they're trying to get done. You can take all their help in the world as long as you just you know don't quite get there. Well, with that particular food for thought, we are going to disappear for now, but we will be back again on Friday, where we talk about the times where playing your best is actually a bad idea within the player contract, and maybe it should be torn up and left to one side. So we will see you then. Bye for now. (laughs) 